When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Dino Tripotis. Taking the blues out of the Columbus Blue Jackets. We're talking hockey tonight on Whiskey Business. Welcome to Whiskey Business, the podcast not so much about whiskey as it is one with whiskey. I remember how excited I was when it was announced that Columbus, Ohio was getting a professional team. Something other than the Ohio State Buckeyes. We got hockey. Columbus Blue Jackets came to town. I signed up for tickets, not just tickets. I got club level tickets and I kept those tickets for 10 years years somewhere in that facility at nationwide arena my name is scribbled in somewhere as one of the 10 first thank you 10 year season ticket holder patrons not on the, like a bathroom wall somewhere no, well, okay. probably on a bathroom right. wall okay. as well right, right, right. but uh, after 10 years while i still remain a columbus blue jackets fan i gotta admit i got a little, I got a little discouraged i saw one play i didn't even see one playoff game we went to the playoffs and the one game that I was had tickets to, I had to miss, as I didn't even go to that game. So, uh, but I digress. My point is, is that after ten years, uh, and I started adding up all the money that I spent on club level tickets, um, took a lot of friends. One of my friends who's here in the background, Bill Ernst, went to a lot of games with me. That took Delhi. You guys know Delhi. Oh, yeah. Delhi yeah. and I went to a lot of games together. Uh, that was a great, a great. I gave away a lot of tickets. Over the course of those seasons, uh, it was great. I loved it. I loved it. And I still, when I get the chance, love to go to Nationwide Arena to see the Blue Jackets. And while we've seen them go up and down, up and down, here we come now on a new season. And we have the pleasure this evening to talk to beat reporter for the CBJ. Jeff, Jeff Svoboda is with us tonight to talk hockey. Uh, this is on the, on the, uh, this is after, uh, uh, trades and free agency and the draft and so forth and so on. We got big news about a star player that uh, that Columbus snagged. This happened just Woo-hoo. last night. So we got lots to talk about. Jeff, welcome to Whiskey Business. Are you a whiskey <laughs> drinker for starters? Let me ask you that. Well, uh, you wouldn't have invited me to Whiskey Business if I was not no, a whiskey that's, drinker, right? That's not true. That's okay, not well, true. But I am a whiskey drinker. You are so a whiskey yes. drinker? Yes. And do you have a preference? In, fa- in fact, I had a, a, after the news broke last night, I went home and poured myself a nice glass. And Which uh, pour? It was a Weller, um, oh, one of the weeded Wellers, the Green Label. The special, special Reserve. Uh, special Reserve. Yes. My favorite. Yes. Great everyday pour. And, Absolutely. Uh, yeah, and see, uh, we love everyday pours. We love, cause that, and that's a reasonable <laughs> bottle if you can find it. These days, because they go pretty quick once they hit the shelves. Well, that was my prize. I put in a golf outing over the Fourth of July weekend and finished in last place. So that was my prize. That was your prize. Uh, yes. I would have. I was <laughs> coming last <laughs> on purpose. Last all the time. Yeah. yeah. I think I will. I think I made the right decision by finishing in last. <laughs> I was never going to win, so at least I got something out of it. No, the Weller Green. In fact, I like yeah. the Weller Green more than I do the the antique, the 107, the Red Label one. So, and the Red Label is more expensive, but I think the Green is still going for like twenty nine ninety nine a bottle uh, here locally. So. 
That's crazy. Yeah. That's right in the way. Johnny, you bought some recently. Was that was it about that price? Yeah, about a week ago, and it's gone. Gone. Yeah, it's gone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, whiskey doesn't stay on Johnny's shelf very long. <laughs> Love that. Yeah, I go one good. bottle at a time. I don't collect. So um, we got a little bit of business to get to. I thank you for being here tonight. There's a lot I want to talk about. I want to talk about the the you know the the people that we picked up in the draft. I want to talk about free agency. I want to talk about this new superstar that uh, didn't really want to come to Columbus. He had a preference to go someplace else. We'll talk about that. And we'll talk about you as well and how you got to be the beat reporter and a little bit of your history as well. Sports, obviously, in your blood. Mm -hmm. He used to write for the Toledo Blade. He used to write for a newspaper. Remember those? Oh, I think I heard of those. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. You hold it in your hand and and you and you, and you lick your finger and you turn the page and then you yeah. put it under the birdcage to catch, <laughs> catch the poop. Yeah, so many uses. So, <laughs> so, can't do that with your phone now. You can't yeah. do it. You oh, can't. Uh, but you better have the insurance on your phone if you do. <laughs> Hansberry, a little bit of business first, and then we'll get to the guest bottle and uh, a great chat with Jeff tonight. Thanks for being with us, folks. We appreciate it. Whiskey Business is the podcast not so much about whiskey as it is one with whiskey. Uh, whiskeybusinesspod.com is our website. You can find all sorts of archived episodes, videos, pictures, writings, uh, a myriad of whiskey business things. That's a word you like you've that? never used before. I've never heard you use the word myriad. I, I've uh, been wa- looking at TikTok. They have a word of the day uh, guy I follow. And, that, that was and one the myriad was the word? Yeah, yeah. Do you know what it means? Uh, it means a lot, right? <laughs> a, 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 an array. An array. Oh, no, <laughs> another big word for you. By the way, I'm going to be done after array. this. I peaked <laughs> way too early wow. during this podcast. Wow. <laughs> it's a real plethora. No. Okay. <laughs> what am I blowing? Oh, he just, he just, yeah, he, he went up. No, myriad is uh, a great word. I love that one. Okay. A plethora is a good one, too. Yeah. Uh, well, well, visit that website go, you, you, for whatever you, you, it is. Plethora would work yeah, with plethora, what you're saying. Right an array now. of plethoras. <laughs> no, 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 it's not an array of plethoras. Uh, right. We're on Facebook. Yeah, we're on so well. Instagram. <laughs> we're on Twitter, uh, SoundCloud. And uh, thank you for subscribing on your favorite podcasting app. Hit uh, subscribe and write and re- rate us. Rate, write a review and rate us there because uh, that helps uh, everybody like discover us. It does, uh, mm-hmm. does wonders. Also, Whiskey Business is on YouTube whiskey business with dino tripoda so if you are listening to this podcast you can find us you, you can watch the, it as well uh, a lot more people see i, I noticed our subscribers went up on uh, as far as uh, uh on youtube so they did yeah to what uh, to like 150 huh no i don't know no dude like we're almost <laughs> like like 500 oh shit. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. nice or so and john whitney uh, the disembodied the disembodied voice you you hear right. over there yeah, uh, and can't see on video is the guy that takes care of all this magic a couple things before. Uh, did you thank Evergreen nope. as well? Thanks, Evergreen. Evergreen Podcasts, uh, our our family up in Cleveland, who we are part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, evergreenpodcast.com, for a huge array and plethora mm-hmm. and a myriad of podcasts available right. <laughs> there as well. And don't forget, I just want to mention this too, on the website, um, you, there, we have merch there. There's a store. You can go get T-shirts and all kinds of stuff. We never talk about We it. never talk about the merch. We are the but worst salespeople in the world. We need to get people to go start buying merch, you know, so we can, you know, maybe afford a whiskey bottle every once in a every while. Every once in a while, yeah. Oh, it's more than 20 bucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. no hate, no hate. Yeah, no hate, no hate involved. But oh, we're going to talk about the second. But first, uh, I have pizza in front of me. I'm very proud to announce, even though uh, nothing's been written and signed, this is just a... A handshake of a deal. deal. But Gatto's Pizza, right here in Columbus, Ohio, is now the official pizza of Whiskey Gatto's. Yeah. 
Gatto's Pizza since 1952. One of the oldest, one of the oldest, uh, if not one of the oldest pizza making places in Columbus. He said the second oldest. Second yeah, oldest. Columbus. Here, yeah, I just I want to show the, you oh. got a nice little sticker there on the, I'm, I'm it's asking be, It's going to be hard to see. Well, my favorite's see. the sausage. Just the sausage. They are, the sausage is their, their sausage. The sausage. It's homemade, yeah, it's homemade sausage. Yeah, look. Yeah. yeah. The, got a little logo there. Uh, yeah. Gatto's. What? Uh, Dave DeRoberts brought this pizza. His Thanks, son. Dave. His son took it over from uh, the Gatto's, uh, but the the everything about Gatto's Pizza is still the same, except their location. They moved. They used to be on High Street in Clintonville. They're still in Clintonville. They're on 3420 Indianola Avenue. If anybody who listens to this podcast is in the Columbus, Ohio area, they've moved to 3420 Indianola Avenue, and you can still call them. The number's still the same, 614-263-3737. I know that number because it was our go-to pizza on Monday Night Poker forever in a day. They have so, a dining room now too, they right? They have a dining room now yeah. and I have I, I, there's only one piece left of the sausage, the sausage. Oh, they make their, oh, that's they make stuff their own right sausage. There. So, and sorry they, guys. And uh, thanks for the meatball sub. Mm. That was very good. Mama yes. Mia. <laughs> Is that how it goes? Uh, Do I get the pleasure of having uh, you deliver them every time, maybe, David? Maybe. Yeah. Or is your son going to come over? No, no, no. He has to work. He has to work it. <laughs> no, that's right. He's got to make the pizza. He has to work it. But thank you. Hey. This is great. Five this years. Awesome we got something for free. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you made it when you have an official pizza. That's yeah. true. That's the way it is. I'm very I'm more than happy. That's the only reason I showed up today. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And you said you're a whiskey drinker. You're drinking the well. We always uh, introduce our guest bottle as well. I think this is now bottle 204 or 205. I've got to write them down. This is a... Um, Whenever possible, I stretch when I say this and when I try to get thematic. You know, this is Evan Williams' 1783 small batch. This is Evan Williams. Uh, this is a whiskey that's produced by uh, the good folks at Heaven Hill okay. under their banner. Uh, I'm not a big fan of just Evan Williams' bottom shelf whiskey, but the Evan Williams bottled in bond, which is like $17.99 a bottle, is amazing and great. And I came across this, the 1783 small batch bourbon which is their attempt to try to get uh you know gain a little much like our own columbus blue jackets each season try to gain a little respect you know and like come on mm-hmm. the same thing with this one right here so um i want you guys all to take a sip of this and tell me what you think this is only 20 bucks a bottle um so it's definitely has the potential to earn a spot as an everyday sipper mm. Mm. <laughs> right 90 proof yeah it's a good um, proof. heavy on the corn 73 percent corn 13 percent rye uh 12 percent barley i definitely pick up uh on the corn mm-hmm. and it's uh sweet yeah it's kind of sweet corn it's this is sweet but it's it's uh i don't think it's as sweet as the evan williams regular <laughs> yeah. if you will and i also pick up uh some vanilla I got the pizza in my mouth too. I got Gatto's uh, meatball subs. <laughs> some some hints of tomato sauce some and garlic. oregano. No, kind of sweet, smooth. Yeah. Uh, yeah, not much of a finish. Uh, it's nice. A short to medium finish, but that's okay. I mean, let's look at the price. Twenty bucks. That's what I'm talking about. Right? Yeah. It's a so, good. It's a good twenty dollar bottle. It's a great twenty dollar bottle because it's drinkable and it, but it's not. It's got good flavor. Yeah. It's got a nice nose. So it just qualifies in every day? Hell yeah. Yeah, right? I think so. I would go for, if I I only had, you know, 25 bucks in my pocket, I I couldn't go wrong with that. 
And the bottle's nice too. They actually uh, redesigned the the bottle a little bit, kind of kind of slick and sweet. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, nice. I'm thinking if yeah. I would have uh, mix it. If, if normally, we're not we don't mix stuff here. But if you work two, this would be a good mixer. Right. Yeah. And so this is definitely one uh, you could you could mix Either with and not feel bad that you were ruining the integrity <laughs> yeah. of yes, the bourbon. Right. Yes. You know. Yeah. Uh, like some people that some people are dedicated neat sippers, no matter mm-hmm. what the whiskey is, yeah. and you know. Cases like this, this one on ice in the middle of yeah. the summer on the front porch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A little peppery now. I'm getting, you yeah. get a little peppery? Mm-hmm. I didn't pick up on the pepper, the, the, but definitely the corn. Corn, 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 corn. <laughs> so it's, it's, it is always funny that I like, I am not a man of, a, of discriminating palates. Mm-hmm. I do not have that ability. Uh, so when people, you, you go to like a bar and they describe a bourbon to you and it says it has notes of leather and whatever and caramel and blah, blah, blah. It's like, I, you know what it tastes like? It tastes like bourbon. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's right. what it comes down to for me. But there's some, there's some I like more than others. And this one I, I do quite enjoy. I'm, I usually drink a lot of rye because they have a little bit of a bite to them. I, sure. Uh, I like uh, rye a lot. In yeah. fact, I, I, I lean towards rye. I almost picked up a rye. Tonight, I like because I, but I couldn't remember if we had it on the show or not. After no. two hundred, I think it was. Yeah, <laughs> you should have a cheat sheet in your in your wallet. Just a you're normally note. pretty good at that. Hmm? You should make a note. Mm-hmm. But I'm pretty, pretty good at actually like no had it and yeah. I can't always say when, but I can say no we've had it and or, or and we've had like like brands like oh have we had that whiskey? We've had a version of that whiskey yeah. but not this particular that's the thing whiskey. there's a million i can't keep track like you said there's a there's bottle, Woods, bond, bottle and there's bond. a regular there's i don't think we've ever bond. had the actual regular evan williams on because i yeah. uh that's a good question uh, but um, well, we are above 200 and you know 200 205 we're at an advanced age so it's hard to remember yeah. every single bottle yeah <laughs> just like the whiskey <laughs> there's a lot of aging going on. Right, anybody remember the first bottle we had anybody anybody uh, anybody Larson? anybody okay so all i remember from that episode how long have you been in columbus jeff <laughs> um i have i've been back i've been in this job since december of 2018 and before that i was in columbus i came to ohio state in the fall of 2002, I was blessed uh, as a student to arrive and see the football team win a national championship, which nice. was Good a pretty cool experience for uh, a freshman at Ohio State. And then graduated in 06, got a job and stayed until 2015, and then moved to Toledo to work uh, for the newspaper there, The Blade. So I've been in Columbus for since I turned 18 years old, basically, mm-hmm. all but three years of my life. Right. So. And the job at Toledo, was that one that you actively sought out, or did they... they, they How'd you get that job? And were you excited? Was that, that your first big professional sports writing job? Would that be at Toledo? Well, no. When I graduated from Ohio State in 2006, I yeah. worked for a uh, newspaper called Buckeye Sports Bulletin, which okay. you've, if, you're, if you've been around for long enough, you've probably seen around. It still does, in fact, exist. It is mm-hmm. one of those newspapers uh, that, that you mentioned that you still actually do. Can, you can't flip the pages and, ah. and look through it. Um, and I worked there. I remember when I first started there in 2006, you know, graduating from Ohio State, I was like, this is a great starting job. I was covering. 2006 was the year Ohio State was number one in the polls for most of the year. They had the, the famous game against Michigan, one versus two. So my first job, even though I wasn't getting paid a ton, as happens in journalism quite often, I was living in Columbus. I was covering the number one team in the country. I thought this is a great job. And if I'm doing it when I'm 30, uh, there's 
something will have gone wrong. And so then what I, I in fact was doing it when I was 30 and something had gone wrong. And I was like, somewhere along the line, I do need to go somewhere else. And I had been promoted. I, I had moved up from the low man on the totem pole to the editor um, and was in charge and was the boss. But That's I just, cool. yeah, it just reached a point where I, I just couldn't do that forever. And so I had a friend that was working for the blade and called him about advice for another job. And he said, actually, we have this opening. Would you be interested in applying? And I was like, my first thought was, I do not want to live in Toledo. Um, I'm originally from the Cleveland area, so the west yeah. side of Cleveland, so Toledo way, but still probably about an hour and a half away. Right. So I, I was not tremendously interested in moving to Toledo, but they offered me the job, and I decided at some point I got to do something different, so let's go. And so That's I fun. have very fond memories of Toledo. Uh, it's a good paper. It was, blade, it, the, it was a great paper. The Blade yeah. was a good paper. Yeah. And it's it's unfortunately, I've been down back down here for almost four years now, and mm -hmm. it's gone is any paper is going to do. It's going to hard times. hard times for the journalism industry. Yeah. But when I was there, I, there, there was a lot of tremendous journalists that worked there yeah. both. And I was in, ended up in sports there and we had some great writers who were still there, but on the news side, we had some phenomenal investigative journalists and, and writers and people who have just in the last four years, all gone on and done other things because the, that's the way the, the journalism business it, is. Did and it so, go under then? Is that what you're saying? It is, or no? no, it's still it's there, still, but it's, still it's there. just the quality but, has just continued yeah, to unfortunately it's, kind uh, of it's, uh, newspapers are, having a, a hard sure. way to go. Yeah. And know. there's just so much turnover and it, it's just the way you, you hire somebody young and then they go on to, they either move on to a, a big paper or they decide that, you know, mm -hmm. they're going to go to law school or they're going to. Some of the, right, right. Yeah. some of the big, pa big papers sure. are, are hurting, you know, yeah. it's a, it's being it, in radio. I know it's not apples to apples, but it is we, similar. We see some of the same type of, you know, problems. Uh, <laughs> what kind what, what uh, did you just cover? sports in general when you were at the blade or, or do or did you have uh you know there's 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 people that just cover the the facts and nothing but the facts and then there's sports journalists who add a little color and flavor to their journalistic style and respects that have opinions and thoughts so i mean where, where do you fall into that world uh well now i do a lot more of the uh probably editorializing mm -hmm. with this job because I think you have to provide context in what you do. And we can talk about a lot of that as we go. But in, to specifically answer your question in Toledo, I actually was not a writer in Toledo. I moved up there to get a uh, an editor job. I was, oh. a, I was a web editor, which is what they called the people who put all the stories on the website and uh, you know update the photos and the, the breaking news and mm. put, decide what goes where on the website and okay. give the headlines and all that kind of stuff. And so... Yeah. Um, it was it was kind puppet, of a essentially yes a puppet yeah. master moving puppet things around master. you know you come this oh this story just came in I got to put it to the top of the website this story just came in it doesn't go to the top of the website all that kind of stuff and it was fun um, I enjoyed it but after about it was a great break from what I had been doing which was just so hard you know sixty hours a week go 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 right. go working covering Ohio State football this was a forty hour a week job as soon as you walked out the building you were done and it was Ooh, it was it was fun. nice. And then after two years of that, I was like, I kind of miss the fun part. Uh, I do miss that adrenaline rush and that that really being in the having your hands in the dirt a little bit. And I got very lucky uh, that I was say two years into it, and the sports editor retired uh, at the Blade, and they interviewed people from all around the country for the job. And I just on a whim, I told who the person who was the one of the editors at the time, um, assistant managing editor. I was like, I basically did this job down in Columbus when I was working for. Buckeye Sports Bulletin, a little bit smaller scale, but I had multiple employees. I had to oversee photos. I had to decide what goes where. Like, I could be the sports editor. And they didn't take me seriously at all. And uh, they interviewed all these five candidates. And unbeknownst to me, they actually selected somebody. But one day, I, I for a second time, went in and was like, no, seriously, I can do this. And so the actual managing editor was like, okay, well, come out to lunch with me. 
And we went to lunch and we talked for like an hour and a half. And he, you know, was, I think was impressed. I'm, I'm guessing based off of what eventually happened was that the person they hired for the job did not take the job, which is its own story. Sure. Um, uh, but he ended up backing out and they were just, and the managing editor was like, well, I just had this great lunch, this great lunch with Jeff. Let's just make him the sports editor. <laughs> nice. And so oh, nice it, it's worked out incredibly well <laughs> that, uh, the, the, the timing, and th that's the thing about journalism now is that I know so many people who were so good at it that were as good at it as I am or, or maybe even better who were no longer in the field because the time they didn't get the breaks, mm. they didn't get the timing. So, yeah. um, the timing worked out well for me in a lot of ways and that, that big break to become the sports editor of the Toledo Blade, which was is a 30-some-year-old being in charge of a sports section for a top 100 newspaper was a pretty big yeah. accomplishment, especially for someone who'd just been putting stories on a website for two years. Right. Um, and I did that for a year and there was some internal politics that, that were tough. Always. Um, and then I just I also really missed the writing side of it and I missed Columbus and then I got I did it for a year and there weren't many jobs I would have left for. I would have stuck it out and, and kept going, but the, the job with the Blue Jackets opened and I applied and, and came back. And you've been doing that for three years now? Yeah, three and a half years three now. So yeah, this now. was basically my fourth full season as the, uh, is the they, they, they called me the Jackets Insider. Was This is not a name I gave myself. Okay. Um, they, they created, the team created a Twitter feed uh, that is at Jackets Insider and whoever, you know, it's like the Pope, whoever has the role, you know, gets to wear the funny hat. Right. Um, in this case, the funny hat is the Twitter handle Jackets Insider. Mm -hmm. So when I first got hired, that were, they're like, you know, this is what you'll you'll do the job as. And it's just kind of grown and sort of become something people call me, even though I would never probably say that about myself. But, uh, but that it's is what it's become. True. I mean, I yeah. mean you, you're that you report on the Blue Jackets during the season, off the season, and especially now when things are getting exciting with the mm -hmm. draft and free agency and the signing of a new superstar. Right. Uh, Wait, I mean, are, are you employed by the Blue Jackets then? Like I am, they pay yes. your, they yeah. pay I am, your checks. All and right. I'm, in fact, employed by the Blue Jackets. I have okay. an office right down the hall from Yarmo Kekalainen and all the, cool. the front office people. So. Mm -hmm. nice. And there's a tremendous amount of perks that come with that, uh, I must say, is that it's just it's pretty easy to travel. You know, you show up and get on the team plane, that kind of stuff. It is, it's very, it's, I would, I don't know if I would, if I would ever trade it for a different job because of that. The, there's just the a lot of, there's a lot of things that work out that, that work out well working for the team. So how emotionally involved do you get in a job like this as a fan, but it's also your job. So I'm always curious about somebody who has a, a job like that, uh, how they, and do they have to keep their emotions in check? when you're writing about the Blue Jackets? That, that is a great question because I, I was a fan. I was a season ticket holder before mm -hmm. I moved to Toledo. I, I, I'm, too? I'm a hockey guy. Yeah. I didn't even move to Toledo. <laughs> I stayed right here, yeah. but yeah. I get it. Yeah. yeah, I've always been a hockey guy. And I and so I became a pretty big, and you mentioned Bill, we, we would go to games together uh, quite a bit back in the day. And then you get this job and there is a certain amount of, you still are a fan and you still are interested in seeing them win. And especially the job is a lot more fun when they win. I mean, I the, my first year was the year they beat Tampa Bay in the playoff series. Mm -hmm. And that was an absolute blast. And you'd rather have a happy flight home and a happy interview session than a, mm -hmm. a sad flight home or a sad interview session. So yeah. um, you do root for them in that way, but you do kind of learn that you can't let that totally run everything inside of you sure. because A, you have no impact on what's happening. So you, it, it's harder to get emotionally invested and you also do have to, you know, you, I am employed by the team. So I'm, I'm, I do, there's a certain amount of, uh, professionalism you have to have and a certain amount of, uh, you know, I'm not there to necessarily tear down. I, I can be honest and I can say what I think about the team, but I'm not there to be the guy that, that totally tears mm -hmm. them down either. Sure. Um, so it, it's an interesting balance, uh, I would say, but, but yeah, you do kind of learn, 
um, it, it's a more fun job and you do enjoy it when they're when they're winning and things are going well, but you can't let it run your life or else it just makes it a lot harder to, to just, you know, live as a person at the end of the sure. day. So are you, as you, are you just as busy off season writing as you are during no. the regular season? This, I mean, the past couple of weeks I have been because as you said, the uh, we had the, the draft and then the start of, we had a development camp for the guys we just drafted and all the prospects came in and then we had the start of free agency. So the last two weeks or so have been very busy, but once you, when you're not in June, July in the off season, things are a lot easier. Things are a lot less hectic. What do they call it? It's baseball, it's, what do they call it? The fire side chats or whatever. What do they call it in, in hockey? Is there like a name for it? Like the off season? Oh, the, the, the hot stove. The hot, hot stove, stove. Yeah, 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 yeah. Probably yeah. pretty similar, yeah. What do you it's, call there, it? Yeah, there's no real, there's no, it's not the ice stove or whatever. Should, yeah, like, the, like the, the cooler. Yeah, this should be the cooler. <laughs> the beer cooler. <laughs> it should be, yeah. But no, things do, things definitely do slow down in the off season. And then there's a lot of people who ask me, like, do you even go to work in the off season? It's like, I still do do my job. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, there's not as much going on, but you know, you can, I'll go to work. I won't be there all day, but I'll write stories about what happened over the, the course of the season. Uh, in the summer, you have time to probably do some more interesting feature type stories. So I have time to do things that I don't have time to do during the season. Um, if I know of some cool stories, I can I can dedicate time in the off season to kind of tracking down the, the interviews and the research you need to do and things like that. So um, it's not nearly as busy in the off season as during the season, but there's enough to keep me going. Okay. So as we approach yet another hockey season, uh, as, I, as I sat with my friend Bill Ernst and discussed a few things before we had this podcast, you know, uh, Bill's been a season ticket holder for a lot of years as well. Um, like I said, he used to come with me uh, with my tickets, and then he got his own tickets, and whatever the case might be. But I was, I, I was, I was saying, you know, what, what, where are we? Where are we? Because we were talking about last season. <clears throat> That they ever he was saying that they played better than expected. They weren't expect even though they weren't the greatest. They still played better. There's a lot of youth on our team, and we just signed this new superstar, Johnny Gaudreau, Johnny Hockey. Which everybody that I know that loves hockey and the Blue Jackets, uh, did you hear? Did you hear? <laughs> uh, anytime your nickname is actually the sport you play, yes, is an indication that you're pretty good that, at, at what you do. And that's how I've tried to explain to people is if you don't understand the signing, you signed a guy who is literally synonymous with the sport of hockey at right. this point. Because his name that's is Hockey. Yeah. His name's Johnny Hockey. So that tells you that's all you need to know about how big of a signing this so is. So who is this guy? Because I don't know anything <laughs> about this dude. I'm a kind of a outside hockey fan. I only go when I get free tickets. Let's put it that way. <laughs> okay. Um so who is this guy and why is he so great? He's well, the, well right off the hop he finished second in the league in scoring last year. Okay. So where's it coming from? The uh, Flames. Okay. Calgary okay. Flames, yeah. He is um he's he's a bona fide superstar in the NHL. He's been one of the best players in the league for pretty much since he came in. Uh he's I believe it's in his career he has six hundred and two games, six hundred and nine points. So he's more than a point a game player. Um, coming huge. off this, yeah, huge six time all-star. He's been a full-time player for eight NHL seasons. He's been an all-star in six of those seasons. Wow. Yeah. Um, and in the, the NHL, it's hard to be an NHL all-star because only each team gets a representative much like baseball. Yeah. And there's only 44 guys that make the team and there's 32 teams. So you can do the math there is that most teams mm -hmm. only get one all-star. So for this guy to be a six time all-star in eight seasons is, is pretty impressive. Uh, he's coming off a season where he had uh, 40 goals, 75 assists and 115 points. That's all. Yeah, that's so. And if you know anything about hockey, that is a tremendous amount of points. Like I say, second in the league in scoring. 
Um, now, my, those would be franchise records by far. I, I, I don't know this specifically, but I think he may have had the most points ever of a player who went to free agency. Oh, wow. If not, he's up there. So this is about as about as other than signing Connor McDavid or Sidney Crosby, this is about as big as it gets. It's as big as it gets, and I understand that he, he if he had a wish list, he wanted to go to the Flyers. So my question is, uh, if somebody of that caliber wants, you know, has a, I, I'd like to go play for the Flyers, and now I'm playing at at the Jet. I'm playing with the Jackets. I don't. I'm not asking you to get into the head of somebody like that, but. <laughs> Is there is there a, a, a disappointment factor, a, a compensation factor of sorts, an adjustment? Like, okay, I didn't get to go where I really wanted to go play hockey, but it, is, is he still going to bring it and 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 be a jacket? Uh, this is a very different situation, especially since you mentioned the Flyers. Kind of one of the big famous things. Actually, this would have been ten summers ago, or no, it would have been eleven. It was two thousand eleven. Uh, they made a trade uh, with Philadelphia and brought in Jeff Carter, who was one of the top players in the league at the time who clearly had no interest in being here whatsoever, sulked his way through about two months of the season, and it went so badly they had to trade him to the Los Angeles Kings uh, for Jack Johnson, who just won a Stanley Cup in Colorado. So mm-hmm. um, that this is nowhere near that situation. This okay, was, first good. of all, a free agency situation. He could have signed, I, I, I can say anywhere he wanted, but he could have signed anywhere he wanted. And in, there was a lot of speculation he wanted to come closer to where he is from, which is South Jersey, um, basically the Philadelphia area. So there's a lot of talk that he wanted to sign with Philadelphia or New Jersey, or maybe even the New York Islanders, which isn't terribly far away. Right. Um, but in talking to him today, he seems tremendously excited to be a Blue Jacket. Um, Good. E- even if Philadelphia is in a situation where they did not have a lot of salary cap space, and it is a salary cap sport. So yeah. the Flyers basically said, we did not really go after this guy. And so while there was a lot of rumors that he had interest in the Flyers and going home, or at least very close to home, um, he has never said that publicly. So there was a lot of speculation that that was what was going to happen. Um, I can tell you that he very much wants to be a Columbus Blue Jacket. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, just from from the kind of I've heard, just you know, hearing the the front office talk about how this came together, being at his introductory press conference today, um, it, it had the Flyers been an option, maybe that would have been, you know, something that somewhere he would have ended up. But when the Flyers were not an option, I think Columbus was about he was as excited about going to Columbus as he was any other place. Did we and, did we court court him? You know, did yeah. we show him around town and like take him out for dinner and, well, and what hockey's kinda of weird in that they don't really do that. Okay. Um like free agency started yesterday. We're we're doing this mm-hmm. on Thursday night, so Wednesday at noon. Weird. And he signed he was one of the later you have players who sign a minute after free agency starts. So they don't come in and tour the city or whatever. They just sign. And he signed he was one of the later guys. He signed closer to seven, eight PM it was probably the hundredth guy who had signed that day, and so mm-hmm. yeah, they don't they don't necessarily bring you in and wine you and dine you. I don't think technically there's supposed to be any conversations there, but guys kind of know what's up, and so they 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 do their research. They probably have, um, you know, their agents feel around and kind of mm-hmm. know what's going on to where you know no one's stupid enough to believe that at twelve oh one if a guy signs that you know that that there was oh yeah, they just called him at twelve oh one in one second and said hey how about this like there's obviously some sort of back channel stuff going on, but no he did not come here. It wasn't wind and dine. It's not like the NBA with, with LeBron when they bring you in and you, you, okay. they make the binder and they give you the but, tour of the city. Uh, he he did some research and talked to a lot of people in the, in the sport that he knows and had an interest in Columbus when this whole thing started. And then when he did talk to the Blue Jackets, there was a mutual interest and it went from there. Well, it's it, but does it does it flip a switch for the upcoming season? You know, I've heard talk about it. You know, uh, we're we're young. 
We're a young, young team. We got a lot of young players. Uh, I don't know. He, what is he? Twenty four. Does that make him one of the oldest Blue Jackets? He's 20, 28. <laughs> about to turn twenty nine. So he, but that will that will make him <laughs> one of the hockey oldest. Is Blue so, Jack- <laughs> hockey is so funny because there's guys who look like they're ancient and they're like in their thirty, like they're yeah, like thirty two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Nick Foligno, who was the captain of the Jackets a couple years ago, had like three kids and looked like he just gives off the vibe of being you know so much older than someone like me who's thirty seven and just you know. I'm like, I look at Nick and I'm like, God, this guy's so much more mature than me. And then I step back and go, he's like five years younger than me. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. That's, yeah. That's Jake so Voracek, who looks like a mountain, you know, looks like he's ancient, is four years younger than me and who's the oldest Blue Jacket at the moment. And he has the giant beard and missing right. teeth and the wild hair. That's and awesome. I mean, he looks like he's like, people look around and go, how is that guy still in the league? And he's four years younger than he, me, which is a terrifying 50, thought. Right? Yeah. yeah. No, that's <laughs> apparently, but yeah, a young team. So, uh, and I've and I've heard people say you know the jackets are are rebuilding and so forth and so on and and I was talking to our friend Bill you know I said you know we talked about some of the people that uh, they got picked up in the draft and young kids 18 19 year old kids and and I asked him I said is that is that is that good and he made a very good point he said it's good for youth is good for building but not for competing what are your thoughts on that statement it is true and, and hockey is a sport where you do have to you have to build. Uh, you look at the a team that just won the Stanley Cup, the Colorado Avalanche. They were uh, five years ago were the worst team in the NHL. Um, and they five had, years before that, they were they, yeah they were a great team. They for were a long great time. team. Yeah, they, yeah, they, yeah the Blue the Jackets never used to be able to beat the Colorado Avalanche right. for the first five to six years of the franchise. Um, so, but they did. And if and a lot of the players who ended up being the stalwarts of that team were on of the of the Cup winning team this year were on that team. Probably their three best and longest tenured players are Nathan McKinnon, who's a superstar. Um, Gabriel Landeskog and Miko Rantanen, which are, those are such hockey names as I say them out loud. Um, But those guys were on that team, but they were the worst team in the NHL. And then they got, you know, they got a little bit better and then they got a little bit better from there. And then they made the playoffs and then they had playoff disappointment. And, you know, you have to kind of build in stages to make it to the top of the NHL, um, which is something if you're thinking, are the Blue Jackets going to be a cup contender anytime soon? When you think of it that way, the answer is probably no. Okay. Um, That's what I'm saying. Does this, does this signing of uh, Johnny Hockey flip the switch for fans the 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 team etc all of a sudden like are we going from a eh, we're rebuilding to eh, we're gonna we're gonna be start winning again we're gonna yeah, you seven know. years is it seven years she's got a seven year contract so yeah. do we have like a deadline yeah. you, know? <laughs> yeah. you know yeah it, it's because they, they are at a point and they they had a year this year where they uh did exceed expectations a lot of the young players had pretty good seasons but you still knew that this was a, this was a building process. They were probably you could pretty reasonably see them making the playoffs next year. But you still knew for them to be liter, legitimately competitive to w- go deep in the playoffs and maybe even win a Stanley Cup, you were probably two to three years away from winning playoff series and three to four years away from competing legitimately competing to win it all. And that's if everybody kept developing the way that they that you think they're going to develop because they have with being so young they they have so many good young players they they've had five first round draft picks in the last two seasons so that you know even if two or three of those guys pan out if two of them suck you're still gonna have three probably really darn good players okay. in a couple years down the road first so you feel you feel pretty good about the direction of where that's going but to win in the NHL you need to have elite players you need to have probably. Tampa Bay, which was uh, has won two Stanley Cups in recent years, probably had five elite players. You know, the, you look at this, the Pittsburgh Penguins. You had Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin and and a couple other guys who were right in the fringe. Yeah, of when's being, he going to retire? Yeah, those what guys is he? are. What is he? Fifty? Yeah, you keep waiting for those guys to fall off a cliff, and they they keep somehow winning. But, yeah, you know, the, the Chicago Blackhawks won multiple cups. They right. had Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane and Marion Hosa. Like you have to have legitimate superstar players probably to win the Stanley Cup. 
And the Blue Jackets, for all of the things that they have been building, uh, and, you know, Zach Wierenski's a, a hell of a player. Uh, Patrick Liney, who is probably the most name-recognizable Columbus Blue Jacket, is a great player. But you wonder, like, of the young guys, like, do any of those guys have superstar potential? Uh, Johnny Gaudreau is a legitimate superstar. And so when you think about, as you get, you know, it, it does accelerate things a little bit. Is it infectious? Yeah. Is, is, yeah, is somebody it, who it, comes to the team, does that, does that spread? Is, that, is it infectious in the way of attitude and thought process? And I think, <laughs> everybody's stepping up their game. I think this guy's coming in, and we're going to step up too. Yeah, it makes you feel – I think they've, if they had not signed him and they'd come into next year, they would, they would say the right things of like, yeah, we think we're a playoff contender, and we think we're going to make it, and we think we have a chance to be something special here and, and move this thing further down the tracks. But, boy, this puts a lot of um, – when I covered Urban Meyer, he talked about theory versus evidence. You know, this is evidence. Like this is right. like this makes you feel, as you said, that this thing is is more real and moves it down the the, the track. And I, I talked to a Blue Jackets player today, and I interviewed him about this. And when it was over, um, I told him we were, you know, I was done with the interview, and he, and I was just like, wow, what a crazy day, right? And he just go, are we allowed to swear on this? Mm, like, absolutely. Yeah. He was Jeff. Holy shit! <laughs> like that's what the players are all saying to each other right yeah. now. Is like, holy shit, we got Johnny Hockey. Like for there, there's a palpable buzz around among players of like, okay, like, you know, we're not just going to go into next year and talk about, okay, well, you know, we're in the building process, but maybe we can take that step forward right now. I, I think they believe a lot more that, the, that they have the tools and have the, what yeah. they need to do to really make that stuff. And that's got, that's what I'm thinking. It's, it's got to have a positive effect. It has to, and a ripple effect through everybody on that team. And then you have some beloved players that are, that are back, you know, Elvis is back, right? You know, so uh, everybody loves Elvis. We had just Elvis. had a movie on about him. We yeah. had Elvis on the we had Elvis on the on the radio at Sunday Night Five. We had him on yes. the show last season. Had to uh, caution him not to. It was not live, to not fuck. not to say fuck. <laughs> <laughs> that Elvis, when Elvis gets going, they come out. They really do. <laughs> it just it just seems to be part of his everyday vocabulary. He does it, he says it like I say, you know, uh, hell. Yeah, you know, right, he, right, right. Yeah. yeah, what a character Elvis is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But so I, you know, I, I see all these pieces falling into place, and it gets exciting again. It, it does, and and like I said, will they make the playoffs next year? You want to sit here and say yes. Um, you got to think. You got to think. You got to think. You don't. You don't go the games to hope that they right. don't get in the playoffs. Absolutely. But it, the, the reality also is that they're in a stacked division and a stacked yeah, conference. They are. I mean, that's th- true. The East is really good. The Metro is really good. You know, the, every team that made the playoffs last year in the East had at least a hundred points, which is really hard to do. That just goes to show you a, there were some teams that really stunk and that's the, they, the, you know, that's how you get that big separation. Mm-hmm. But those teams were really good. And most of those teams are still going to be good. Uh, and then some of them even added more pieces in free agency as well. So it's going to be hard, but you'd have to think they're a better team this year than they were or this upcoming season. They were this past year because you've added pieces. you you think that maturation is going to happen naturally where guys get better just because that's what happens is guys get older and you get more experience. Mm-hmm. And so um, it's, I think it's an exciting time. You can sit here and say and, and see just how good some of the 18 to 20 year old players are that when they get to 22 to 24, you're going to be like, Oh wow. Like, but they got to get there. You know, it's all yeah. part of a process. It's a process. It really is. It just boggles my mind that, you know, they have that type of skill set at, at 18 or 19. I mean, shit at 18 or 19, you know. I couldn't I, even I, drive I, a shift. I, 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 right? <laughs> I couldn't keep my shoes tied. I got to hold on a second. I got to tie my shoes again. <laughs> you know, that's yeah. a, that's amazing. Oh, yeah. I, me. I mean, I was a freshman at Ohio State at 18 years old, and I was, like, living on ramen and, like, video <laughs> games all day. And it's like, this past year, Cole Sillinger played 78 NHL hockey games. It's like, uh, what? It's, it's a different world. Like, my kids are in... In youth sports now they're like third fourth grade but by that age they're already 
you know, travel teams right. year round, hardcore hockey. I mean, a lot of it's colder weather sports, but it's that's nuts. It's a dedication. I'm, I'm going to come back to hockey here because I got a couple of other just uh, philosophical questions and also uh, get an update on how he actually did in the draft. You can we'll <laughs> go down that down that road a little bit too. But when I was, uh, you know. Doing my research uh, uh, on you as well, I found a, found a couple little tidbits that I have to bring up. Here, let me pour you some more. By the way, how are we enjoying the Evan Williams? How are we enjoying the, like uh, the small batch? Right? Would Very you guys good. put this on your uh, everyday pour list? Yeah. You know, when you're looking for a reasonable bottle, just a nurse on the front porch. Yep. I, yeah. I like it better with the little melted ice in it. Mm-hmm. It's kind of mellowed it out yeah. a little more drinkable. Yeah, it yeah. is. And I've, I've had some uh, that I just do not like, and this one I like. I would put... Uh, that would that would go on the bar card yeah. right there. Mm-hmm. Nice. It's like jazz. Yeah. You know when you hate it. Exa- yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you had some pizza earlier. The pizza yes. is good. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Have you had Have you had Gatos before? I have not because I've I don't I'm down in Grandview, so I don't make it to Clintonville very often. So. Mm. Oh. It's uh, the official pizza whiskey. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so, you mentioned earlier you're from Cleveland. Yes. You're a Browns fan. Or, or, I have been. Or a Brown participant. I have I have been a Browns fan for my entire life, and current events have me really Do they? questioning where, okay. where things stand with uh, that. Um, <laughs> it's tested the loyalty of some diehard Browns fans. It really has. Now, the die, the super, super diehard fans, you know, with everything that's going on, um, did you think Baker got a raw deal, first of all? Boy, that's a tough question. Um, because I, Yes and no, in that... I do think he proved when he was a healthy quarterback, he was probably a pretty good quarterback. He was a scrapper. Yeah. I'm not a Browns yeah. fan. I am. You can see what I am. You see, yes, I have you, seen all. You, the, you, you see, you I've know, seen a lot of the black and gold you, things. Yeah, here you know what I am. Yes, you I, know yeah. what I am, which yeah. is why I had to bring up this discussion <laughs> a little uh, bit. But I, th- I think that also. But if you're if you're banking on having a healthy quarterback, then you're not. You just can't do that in the NFL. Quarterbacks are not healthy for a whole season in the NFL. I mean, you your team had Big Ben who could absorb an absolute pounding oh my, back there. Oh, my God. But he was the size of a refrigerator, and everything, and it didn't matter. He was still going to keep playing until his arm actually blew up. But, like, you know, he wasn't, you know, Baker took one hit last year, and it totally ruined his season. Mm-hmm. And so if you're saying he's a good quarterback when he's healthy, which I do think there's evidence that that's the case, that's great and all, but that's not going to get you, that's not going to win you a Super Bowl because your quarterback's not going to be healthy at the end. Well, of the so, my, my problem was that I, I, why didn't they just pull him out and let him get completely healthy instead of just, you that know. That is the million dollar question as to why. Limping in and limping a, out. And, yeah. And, 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 you know. Last season was such an abject disaster for the Browns where they, they just, you just, and yeah. I, it's not, they weren't like one and, well, they weren't winless, which they've been before. So right, that right, was right, maybe right. more of a disaster, but where you just knew that this team just like was limping through the season and just did not have what it took. And Baker didn't have what it took because of the injury, mm-hmm. and they just would not sit him to let get him to a point where he was going to be healthy enough to actually accurately throw the football uh, as much as he can. Which I don't think accuracy is his greatest strength, but I think he was a lot more accurate when his shoulder, when his left shoulder, wasn't falling off. And I've said this uh, to people before. <laughs> I said, I, I, you know, am I a Browns fan? No, but did I do I root for the Browns to be competitive and 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 actually be you know a, a significant factor in in that division? Yeah, I like the rivalry between. Our two teams, and, yeah. and 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 I want the Browns to be uh, viable. And I was just saying, like they got all the. You, know, you talk about we talk about the Blue Jackets, how we're putting in all these pieces together to to build and so forth. They they had it or have it or you know, it was right there. Let everybody get healthy and and shit. They're you know they're winners yeah. if everything goes the right way. 
on any given Sunday, as they say. What's incredibly crazy to me to think back is when the Browns beat your Steelers in the the playoff game, uh, which was not very long ago. No. um, 18 months ago. I mean, you you leave that season, you think, oh, my God, the Browns, who had gone through the wilderness for so long and changing coaches every year, changing quarterbacks every Mm -hmm. year. You went at the end of that season, you're like, well, they finally have a quarterback and they finally have a coach. And now the quarterback's gone. Uh, The coach is a little bit on notice because last year was such a such a slog. Um, I don't, he's not on the firing line by any stretch of the imagination, but no. sudden, you know the, the magic pixie dusk has, has fallen off the, sure. the, the the coach who could do no wrong. Uh, amazing how quickly things have changed in that 18-month span to where you felt like such tangible progress for the first time in so long for the Browns has now been replaced by whatever the circus is going on. Would you, right draw, would you draw personally a heavy sigh if tomorrow you said, they, they told you that you are now the beat reporter for the Cleveland Browns uh, during the regular season and the off season, given all the controversy with Deshaun Watson and everything else that's going on in that organization. I mean, how would you feel if they said, Jeff, tomorrow you're no longer a Blue Jackets reporter, you're a Cleveland Browns reporter, I would, go. I would not apply for that You had no choice in the matter. Right, exactly. They, if they were able to trade you, like they like yeah, in yeah, sports, exactly. Yeah, exactly. like yeah. Uh, we're, we're, we're going to trade you, we're, we're giving you Jeff right. for this guy, and, and you get traded to Cleveland yeah. to, to, to do sports and report. How would you feel right now? It'd be, it'd be fascinating because, I, t- I mean, you have to, with what's going on up there, you have to become a little bit of a court reporter, I guess, too. With right. Everything going on. Um, so <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I did well enjoy the, th- <laughs> the thing that's funny is I would look at it from an aspect of like covering football versus covering hockey. There's so f- many fewer because I covered football with Ohio State for so long. I actually really enjoyed that because there's only one game a week. And so there's so many different storylines you can take out of that. Whereas mm-hmm. like we play a game and at that game, as soon as that game is over, it doesn't matter. Um, whereas in football, that game, people are still talking about it four days sure, later sure. before they start talking about the next game. And so as a sport, I think football is actually easier to cover than hockey. But the NFL is probably significantly harder to cover because there's just so much going on. There's so many more players. Uh, there's so many more storylines. There's just some like drama. There's, yeah, there's just drama. There just is. And, it, is. Mean, it's, it is. It is truly the, the definition of show business in a whole different way. Yeah. I mean, it's it's crazy and then you got then you got shefty that knows everything and mm-hmm. like it's it's a totally different world and i'm gonna i'm on a beat right now where i go to practice every day and there's probably five to ten people at most who are there to interview the players i mean you, you go to a browns practice and i think there's probably there's every tv stations there every there's multiple beat writers from cleveland.com slash the newspaper there's multiple newspapers there etc websites etc etc um, it's a zoo. And so I, I would not enjoy that part of it either, to be honest with you. Um, I would probably enjoy covering the sport more, but I wouldn't cover, I would not enjoy covering the things that came with it. The drama in, in any way, shape or form. Right, yeah. Right, all right. the things that come and, with it, I would not. And that's part than. of it, right? Yeah. I mean, when you're covering the blue jackets, how dramatic are you going to get as far as, you know, personal issues and controversies and so forth and so on. It's pretty much about the team and what they're doing and where they're going and where they're at and, and you know who's hurt, who's healthy, and so forth and so on. But that, yeah, you go to Cleveland or any professional football team for that matter. Yeah, that's got that's got drama. You but know? So, something that's also super funny is like hockey players are always billed as like the your sports greatest warriors. Like it's like this guy. Well, aren't they? Yeah. Well, as yeah, far they, as I'm concerned, they yeah. are. It's like yeah, this guy they won the Stanley Cup. Some, this guy, yeah, the greatest athletes. Yeah, like, in sports, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, this guy had eight toes amputated during the third round of the playoffs, <laughs> and also had like actually had like. 
uh, you know, his, he had a longer move, you know, in the Stanley Cup final and also. <laughs> but then, like, there's, like, there's a surprising amount of drama, though, among these guys. Like, it is weird. Like, it's physically there. They are the Warriors. But, man, it's like every once in a while, there's just always, like, these weird petty fights going on. It seems like in hockey that just we're so, you know, you say Not one crossword. I mean, we have Jake Voracek, who, who I love, who's a, a, a great quote and a fun guy to be around. But, you know, he made headlines a couple years ago when he was still with the Flyers where a Flyers reporter got on a Zoom and asked him a question. And Jake just called him a, a, a fucking snake or whatever uh, in the Zoom. And it was about something the guy wrote in a column like before the pandemic. It was like two years ago. And so uh, hockey, the hockey players have long memories. It's very interesting. There's, there's always more drama about hockey than you think there is. But yeah, it's well, not like it, the NFL. It's it, nothing yeah. like that. But it shows up on the ice. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. Right, yeah. Right. yeah. With, with, uh, with as far as a fight or something yeah. goes, and then know, but then they grudges, go out and they get a beer together afterward. It's the weirdest. I don't know. It's, it's, oh, don't, it's, don't tell me that. Then it's like studio wrestling. Yeah, well, yeah, right, 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 <laughs> they right, hate right. each other yeah. in the ring. They get You're out. telling me that they go have a beer afterwards? Some of them do, not Some all do. of them. No, that's which, pretty cool. Yeah, that's pretty cool actually. <laughs> uh, let's come. Let's come. Let's come back to, to hockey for a second. I want to talk about the psychology of the streak, both the winning streak and the losing streak. Whenever when the, there was there was there was a couple times during last season where the where the Jackets got on some winning streaks and everybody was just oh my god and there was superstition involved as <laughs> as to what as to as, there was what, what, what awesome. was it what was it the one thing that was happening with the with the with the was it fun dip with, or was with that something dip different with the liquor, liquor the candy, or, yes fun dip the yes. fun dip the yes. fun dips yeah you know I mean people get so wrapped up in something it, it takes so little to get people locked in to <laughs> what might be a streak and in the same token when they're getting off the schneid, when they're, when they're losing, when they lose so many games in a row. So could, can you comment to anything to the to the, the psychology of the streak? What's involved in a player's head when they're winning and losing, for that matter? Yeah, it, it's so real. It's and I don't I can't explain why. And I think you see it too, and you see it in the sports that play a lot of games. So I think you especially see it in baseball. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas like right now, I'm a, I'm a big Cleveland Guardians fan, and they they they've gone through stretches this year. Same thing. I'm sorry, the who? Yeah, I, yeah I, know. <laughs> I, I usually I just say tribe. I'm a big tribe fan. Um, that they go through stretches where it feels like right. they can't lose, and it's gonna all work out. And then they go through stretches where you turn the game on, and they're down two nothing in the first inning, and you just turn it off. Like, it, it's over. You know they're right, not gonna right, win right, that right, game. Right, right, right. Uh, so it is fascinating how that works out, and I I can't tell you how they start or how they finish, what makes something like that happen. But they're tangible. I think in sports, you 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 do feel them. I in. So it, when you're there, like it just feels like when you're on those rolls that everything is going to work out. And then you know that when you're in one of those streaks, the other way that it's not going to work out. And it's so hard to put your finger on when that flips or, or why that's going to flip. It just makes no sense. But it does. It just happens. I know baseball players are superstitious and they, they've got their things. Are, are, are hockey players tremendously, just, tremendously yeah. so? I mean, with yeah. the beards, I mean, we're not shaving during right, the playoffs right, right, and right. so forth. But yeah, but have you have you have you come across any crazy ones that you could share that you know about that that certain players had I can't over the of, years? I haven't really written much about that, so I don't have any. Especially with this team, I don't have any specific ones. But uh-huh. they're all they're they all they're all superstitious. They put the, the you know they go to the rink at the same time. They they put the gear on at the same time. They put a you know left leg first, right leg first, you know left elbow for whatever it is. It is. They so all have yeah. a routine that they there's follow. it. There's something that they follow. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah there's a hundred percent about that. And, and hockey players are very. I think of any sport out there, and, and maybe I'm wrong. I haven't been around all of them, but I think hockey players are as routine based as any sport out there because they just they do they do they do everything at the same mm-hmm. time. They have the same foods. Mm-hmm. Um, before, you know, at the, at the pregame meal, 
they take the nap at the same time. They get up at the same time. They come down <laughs> to get on the bus at the same time. They, they, wrap their, they, they tape their stick at the same time. Like the hockey players are so routine based that it's also why, like if you see an afternoon game, which the Jackets do not play a ton of them, but when they play in the afternoon, they look, they, it, everything's thrown off. It's just so, <laughs> they just, just do not like it. It's, it's so weird, but it's just what they do. But I guess if that's part of your, you know, if you're going to play 82 right. games a year, you got to have something that locks you in. Sure, so. sure, sure. I, I, I get it. They nap together. That's so funny. Mm-hmm. In the same room? They all nap in the same room together? Well, no, they go back. They nap, I, they nap I, I'm at the kidding. same time. I'm just yeah. like, like a big room. I just like a yeah. kindergarten. They got the hats. <laughs> the yeah. cats. And everybody's going down Little for a nap. You know what's funny, too, though, is when I'm, on, when I'm on the road, I nap as well. <laughs> so, like, I come back. We all go to morning skate, and they, they do their practice, and I get my interviews, and we get on the bus and go back to the hotel. And then usually I take... You know, I, I get done what I need to get do, and I, I take a nap, probably because I was you know out the night before. But right, you know, like right, they, right, but right. they take their nap too at the like, at the same time. It's funny oh, how that works. What out. a job! It's like encouraged to take a nap in the afternoon. Yeah, that's great. That's nice. <laughs> okay, so uh, let's let's look at the upcoming season. I mean, uh, obviously the great news about uh, Johnny Gaudreau, Johnny Hockey joining the the franchise. Let's talk about how the draft went and free agency and what what were the what were the hits and what were the the misses uh, into in this upcoming season. Well, now you're going to make me sound a little bit like a propagandist here because That's I think okay. they had a phenomenal draft. Okay. Um, and you never know these things until four or five years down the road. So right. I could be end up being completely wrong, but uh, they they drafted seven players. And the NHL is a is a weird sport compared to let's say like a football or a basketball. It's much more like baseball. And then when you draft a guy, you're not necessarily expecting him to be a contributor until two to three years down the road. And you're not expecting him, unless it's the first overall pick, like a Connor or McDavid, you're not expecting them to be like a, a superstar until probably four to five years down the road or anything mm-hmm. like that. So you, usually there's a lot of development involved in hockey. So it's so hard to tell um, right away. But the I thought, you know, if you go into a draft, you probably want to check off certain boxes. And I, I, the Jackets had two first round picks, uh, number six overall, number 12 overall. And they drafted two defensemen with those picks, which you can never have enough defensemen. Young boys, young yeah. guys. Young guys. You, you, NHL draft is open at age 18. Yeah. So, like, football, it's three years after college or, or after high school. So, it's 21. NHL, it's 18 years old. So, you're drafting literal kids who just graduated. Amazing. In a lot of cases, you know, would have, in normal life, would be just graduating high school. So, it's right. a little bit That's crazy. crazy how it works know. out. You go yeah. from, you go yeah. from <laughs> senior yeah. prom to... Right. Uh, and playing professional hockey. And what's funny about that is the guy the Jackets took number six overall, David Yurichek, is uh, from the Czech Republic and has been playing in the men's league there for three years. So he started playing in the men's league when he was like 15 or 16 years old. So it's, again, a totally different world lifestyle than, than what we're used to. But that kid, he's he's a six foot three defenseman, big, physical, great shot, huge, um, great hands. That's the thing. They were just all in town for a development camp up at Chiller North. And the first practice, I'm expecting to kind of see this big physical guy who's kind of just still going into his body, probably battling the puck a little bit, you know, since he's so big. And the kid, the guy's puck skills were unbelievable for a, a guy of that size. And the way he was billed as, like, a physical defenseman. Right. I mean, he did some things in that first practice up there where I was like, oh, my God. Like, I, I just completely was floored by his ability with the puck on his stick. And so, Now, when they draft <laughs> somebody like that, uh, what kind of playing time do they get, if any, in the, in their – Probably season. not. Probably not any this year. Okay. Um, in most cases, I, the the stat I always go back to, which is this shows how incredible Cole Sillinger was, was he played seventy eight games for the Blue Jackets last year, right after his draft year. So he was drafted last summer, summer of twenty twenty one, went right into the NHL, was the youngest player in the league all season, and played like seventy some games. 
the next highest number of games played by somebody in last year's draft was like 45. Mm. Wow. And the third highest was like 15. <laughs> so the, that, the moral of the story is most guys don't play anything close to a regular role the year they get drafted. So gotcha. um, what will probably happen with all these guys is that they go back to a, whether he goes back to his home country, goes overseas, goes to a junior league in Canada, um, he will play somewhere else this year and play a ton of minutes and get a lot more experience. Um, you know, they don't want to bring him in and have him play 10 minutes here and be learning on the job and you just carry him because you can carry him. You know, they want him going somewhere and, and playing because that's what you have to do gotcha. to get better hockey. So he's probably the, the number one overall pick this year. Check guy is probably the closest of anybody they drafted. And I know they want him to go somewhere and play like 25 minutes a game this year in a junior league um, and just get that experience and keep getting reps and stuff like that. And then, but I think he could be in the mix maybe as of next year to be a guy that they like, you know, he's, he's good enough. Let's, let's see him out there. Um, and then as you go down the list, like a lot of, you know, those, you won't see those guys for, for years down the road. It's just the way that it kind of is. But they're in the system um, now. But they're in the system they're now. In the yeah. system so you keep now. tabs on them over the years and kind of see how that goes. But, you know, they, they drafted two defensemen high. The next pick they got was a very highly rated center, which you can never have enough of those guys. Right. They got two really intriguing wingers after that. One's like a small, skilled guy. One's a big, monstrous guy from Russia. So, you know, you got different guys out of different buckets there. You got a goalie late. So you, they, they got a lot of everything in the draft. So just so. different pieces of, of, yeah. of, of a puzzle that, that const- that's constantly changing. Um, Rick Nash, uh, player development. Uh, I don't know what his official title is. There's director the, of player development. Yeah, director so of right player there. development. Uh, how much of a factor as, as, is he playing in the future of the Blue Jackets now when you when – you, take that title player yeah. development and developing a team and finding the right players. And yeah, I mean, would, it's, would he have been an influence in, in, in getting any of these people, oh, the future stars and the current star a, a little bit in that he does, he does go watch some of these teams, but they usually leave that up to the scouts. He's the guy that once they're drafted, he's basically in charge. He and his staff, which is like Derek Dorsett, another former Columbus blue jackets player. Um, and, and some of the guys in that realm, um, become like the development coaches and so which is kind of it's a it's a weird thing is like you'll have these guys that'll be playing in college or they'll be playing in juniors in canada or they'll be playing overseas and have their own coaches and teams that are trying to win and yet a lot of those coaches most of them in fact welcome in the development coach from the blue jackets who comes in and watches them and has advice as well as what they want them to get better at um mm-hmm. but at the end of the day you're becoming a better player so there's it's not like there's a huge conflict of interest there um but it is sort of fascinating how in hockey you're playing for a team, and you can be playing for be drafted by the Blue Jackets, be playing for a professional team in Sweden, and their coach is still like to the Blue Jackets coach, "Come on in and talk to this guy." Like sure. it, it is crazy how that all works out. So, um, yeah, so the, the he oversees kind of the the, the road that these these draft picks are going to travel, um, and I think he's been hugely influential as far as that goes because he, when he came in, and he started right around the same time I started, um, right when he year he had retired, uh, summer of 2018. Uh, came in and was just kind of learning the game, learning the trade, in on a lot of meetings, just figuring out for two years, basically, what he wanted to do. And it turns out player development was the thing that they saw him able to do. And he still talks to free agents and stuff and um, a little bit. But by and large, he's the guy that is in charge of bringing these guys along once they're in the system. And it was kind of funny. He was at the draft, and I, one of the players we drafted you know, said like, you know, we're like, what's it like? You just got drafted by the Blue Jack. And he's like, yeah, like the first thing I did was like shake hands with Rick Nash. Like that's unbelievable. Uh, right. Right. So th- he still has that kind of effect on people. From he his does. Career. We, yeah. we had him on the show as well. When, uh, when, when that, when they were retiring his, his Jersey, he, yeah. he came on the radio show in the morning and, uh, 
That was the actually this dude you ever want right, to meet, man. Exactly. I mean, I had met him in his playing years when he when he was playing for the Jackets. You know, we had the opportunity to interview him and talk to him. But now I'm seeing this guy that has this illustrious career uh, behind him and this great future ahead of him. And he's a family man now, and he's mm-hmm. got kids and and uh, probably one of the most humble people in professional sports that, that I've <laughs> yeah. had the pleasure of meeting. Yeah. I mean, no, talk about, talk about an aw shucks, you know, yeah, I've been fortunate. I've been, you know, just amazing. So what a great, what a great win for the Columbus Blue Jackets to have that person in the organization. Did yeah. He, and, and did he come here because of a familiarity with the franchise and the city or because it's a good place to raise the family and it was a good opportunity? A little bit of all of them. I think it was all that. Yeah. yeah. He, he, and what you're starting to see now is a lot of guys who had played here come back here after their careers are over, um, whether it be because they want to work for the organization or they just want to live in Columbus, Ohio. Um, you're seeing more and more of that as it goes on. We're a good city. Yeah. yeah. We're a good yeah. city. Yeah. And we, got, we, got a lot, we got a lot going on. And it's actually, it was a story I, I was going to write last summer. I talked to a lot of, they brought in a lot of guys last summer. They brought in um, Derek Dorsett and Marco Testu, who were longtime Blue Jackets, who now are now part of the organization on the coaching side. Um, uh, Mark's up in Cleveland with the minor league team and Dorsett's on of Rick staff with player development is that you they've made a real focused outreach over the last couple of years to bring back, bring back the guys, especially the guys who want to live in Columbus, getting them jobs and making them part of the family to, to help the organization and use their expertise and I, what they went through to help, help bring these that. guys along. I love yeah, hearing that. I yeah. love anytime I can hear the, the, the tear down of the corporate structure mm-hmm. and becoming more of a family structure. Uh, to that's me, great. that's 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 an ingredient for success mm-hmm. on on all levels, you know. Yeah, and, and then more... of course, start winning games. Yeah, <laughs> start, start yeah. winning games and yeah. and get to the playoffs and and uh, hopefully one day, you know. Yeah, and then talking like, like with a guy like Jody Shelley, another guy who works for us, so mm-hmm. Jody right. on the on the broadcast slash ambassador side, is in charge of the there's a Blue Jackets Alumni Association that there's about. I forget the exact number, but I think close to 18 guys that were former Blue Jackets that now live in the area. Um, and about half of them do work for the team, but they're, they're trying to take on a more active role and doing events that people can come out and meet them and raising money for causes mm-hmm. and just supporting everything, supporting the community and supporting the Blue Jackets uh, because that, that of what that, that opportunity provided them. It is so weird. If you talk to people around the league, almost exclusively, they will tell you they love their time in Columbus. And yeah. a lot of them talk about... You know, I wish I had more time there or I could have stayed there after my career, but I wanted to come back to home or whatever. Like it's almost a universally held thing. Mark Mathot, who played for the Jackets for a long time with the Johnny Gaudreau signing yesterday, went on Twitter and said, I miss Columbus. Like, I'm so happy for the people there right. that they get this great news that this one of the great best players in the league is going to play for them. Like that, that's a very commonly held thought among the people that are former Blue Jackets is that they love their time here and they wish the organization well and, and want to see it succeed. Could you see another uh, one more question before we go? This is like uh, just a, for the future. Um, could you see another professional team coming to Columbus at any point? Do you think we we could sustain one? I think we're reaching the point population wise, certainly, as it keeps growing. I mean, what are they talking about? Two point five, three million mm-hmm. people here by twenty fifty or whatever right. it's going to be. I mean, I would tell you right now. I mean, if Major League Baseball just started, right. They would have a team in Columbus before they'd have a team in Cincinnati or Cleveland, but those teams have 120 years or 150 years of you know of history behind them, so it's really hard to move one of those teams. But I would guarantee you, you know, if Major League Baseball could just right now start up and say where do we want to be in Ohio, they would say probably Columbus because Columbus, it's the Ohio. city that's growing and it's the city 
that people from Cleveland and Cincinnati are moving to. So I think but, the NBA could probably survive in Columbus. Yeah, I think you've reached a point where you're not going to get baseball because of those teams. Yeah, you're not right, going to get the not. NFL because of those teams and right, also because right, of Ohio right, State. Right. So I think the only other one that really would make sense is basketball. It's basketball. You've obviously got a tremendous facility yeah. here in Nationwide Arena that, you know, and you're going to pull from Cincinnati. It. You're going to pull from Dayton. You're going to pull from all kinds of places. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I do remember, was it 2016-ish maybe, that when Mayor Coleman was still in charge, that he kind of floated out there. I mean, maybe it was even earlier than that. Like, hey, you know, like we'd like to can be considered as a... I think I do remember that, yeah. I do remember uh, yeah. that. Tweeted something. I'll ask him that because uh, the mayor, the former mayor of Columbus, has agreed to come on the, the podcast. <laughs> I believe have, he works right by Nationwide Arena yeah, as well because I see him have, uh, uh, downtown Coleman, quite a bit. Yeah. Michael Coleman unbuttoned. In a, I wonder in a what future, kind of in, in, from a, in a future yeah, right? installment. <laughs> so I'll have to make a note yeah. and ask him about that. Yeah, how, I, how that went. I do in. remember him kind of pitching the NBA, like, "Hey, we'd love to have you here." Yeah, and I don't. The NBA is one of those leagues that just does not seem to. have You don't hear anything about NBA expansion anymore, like because mm-hmm. the NHL has expanded. Uh, um, you know, football got to thirty-two. You know, it's it's an easy money maker, but you just don't see the NBA really even saber rattling about something like that. They just that, move. So. That's all they do. They, they move, move yeah. and they yeah, it's just. Uh, I can't I keep track know. of all the NBA teams anymore. I'm yeah. like, oh, the Hornets, that's not a team anymore? <laughs> yeah. I still got their starter jacket I was going to wear. <laughs> Who are the Pelicans? Who yeah, are the right. Pelicans? Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The interesting thing will be how big does soccer get because you right. have this brand new, beautiful, incredible stadium downtown. You have a team that has generally had success yeah. in the crew They're over the years. Every year. Yeah, they won a championship not very long ago. Shut up, Bill. He has some stories about that night. Yeah. Um, but um, uh, but that could be as as soccer continues. You see how popular the English leagues are and the European leagues right. are. I mean, now that you've got that facility here, I did not mean to dismiss the crew. I mean, I said yeah, not at all. Another yeah. professional yes. team. Yeah, I know we got yeah. the crew, and I, I yeah. consider but that. But does that as become well. as big as anything else? Right. You know, they have their supporters here, but does that become even more mainstream as you go on? That one is kind of fascinating to me to see how where that will go. But yeah, It seems like the younger generation likes soccer more so than the the boomers and others. Yeah. Uh, so, I, yeah, I can see it growing, well, growing and growing. I hope so. I mean, I think I think Columbus, I've made a life here since 94, mm-hmm. and I love it, and I've loved watching it grow and prosper. I was thrilled when we got the, the Blue Jackets somewhat. Was it 23, 23 years now? How many? 97 was when it was announced, and then yeah. they started in the fall yeah. of 2000. So we're approaching. Yeah, we're basically, it's been, yeah. We just passed the 25th anniversary of the team. It was an early, earlier, I think, in July yeah. of the team actually being awarded by the right, NHL. Right, right, right. Yeah. Wow. That's, where'd that time go? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, brother, thank you so much. Um, as the season kicks off and progresses, if we do get into a playoff situation this coming season, would you come back? And, Absolutely. And, and let's talk about yeah. what we talked about here and see how, see if any of those seeds that have been planted <laughs> actually grow into something unexpected or incredible. And, and I'd love to get your, your thoughts as to how and why if, if we if we get to that point. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, yeah, I'll always come up here. Yeah. Did you have a good time? As long as there's a bourbon on the table. There you go. Oh, there's right. always a bourbon on the table. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm glad that you like the Evan Williams 1783. We we give a thumbs up to the small batch yeah, 1783. Good. And we love the fact that it is one of those bottles on Whiskey Business that's under 50 bucks. Love it. In fact, two of them for 50 bucks. Huh? 20 bucks uh-huh. a bottle. Cha-ching. This is a good this is a good easy pour. It's nothing spectacular, but it's 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 solid. Yep. It's solid. Yeah. 
you can have it straight. You can have it. Uh, you can have it straight. Or, we'll do, you, yeah. you can mix it with something if you want to make a cocktail with it. If you want to drink it on the rocks, a little bit good. of ice. I, you know, I be think a good old fashioned. A little bit, a little bit. Really a lot of a lot of people proofs. thought that it was not going to be ninety proof when they were putting this together. So they were, so the whiskey enthusiasts were pleased at the ninety proof. So, what is extra aged? Mm. It says expertly aged. Oh, it's not oh, extra. No, oh, extra, 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 extra aged. Oh, extra aged. I, I think. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure. I, I, I think this is. I think age wise, uh, you know, extra. bourbon bourbon has to be at least four years. I think. I think with the say extra aged. I think this one is about at six. All right. Six years. Extra. Six years in the barrel. No, it's, like, it's like Spinal Tap. Eleven. Yeah. It's just. It's just <laughs> extra. We're we'll taking to eleven. It's just extra. So yeah, we like the Evan Williams seventeen eighty three. It's a good we pairing a with Gatto's up. Pizza. We would love the fact <laughs> that Gatto's Gatto's Pizza is going to feed us and our guests uh, on a semi regular basis. Um, uh, let's see, what else do I want to say before Wait, we all quick, wrap uh, it up? Fire lightning round. Favorite hockey movie? Oh Go. come on, dude! Slapshot. Yeah, it's got to be Slapshot. John Miracle. Oh, uh, good one. Yeah, it's still, yeah. I'm a millennial. Yeah. Uh, Mighty Ducks. <laughs> <laughs> All of them? Well, uh, no, the first one. The first one. The first well, one. And you know, Basil McRae, who's the one of the f- hockey players in that movie, is works for the Blue Jackets. He's That's the front really? There you yeah. go. Oh, so I've been thinking the, the, the 30th thinking of anniversary is the 30th anniversary of the Mighty Ducks coming out is in October. Oh, so I've already in my head got the fact to be a like, guest. Mm, yeah. I've got I've got to do a story on Basil McRae and his let's cameo in that movie. All right. Well, get him get him on the get him on the podcast. Yeah, there, that might be the move. Yeah. Yeah, let's <laughs> yeah. get him on the podcast and do that. Yeah. It's 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 funny how uh those answers like I'm the oldest guy in the room, so right. I go with Slapshot. Right. Uh, you're the millennial. You go with Mighty Ducks, and you're right in the middle, right there. With I like Slapshot too. Yeah. Well, how but, can you, you know. not like Slapshot? Just like the Hanson brothers. Come on. <laughs> I mean. Who was one of the teams? I forget one of the teams the Jackets played near the end of the season. Um, the when they won the the game, their the song they play in the arena. Maybe it's Detroit. Maybe it's I don't know because we beat them. Um, at the end of the year, uh, they play the song, the Slapshot song, with the right back where we started from. Right, right. right. Like that, that, which is a perfect song to play when you win a hockey game. I think at the arena, uh-huh. it's perfect because it's got the hockey ties and it's upbeat. It just it hits the spot perfectly well, and so That's great. It's, a, it's an absolute classic. That's awesome. Gordy right. Howe, old time hockey. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I played with his son up in in Toledo. Oh, nice. Ah. You play hockey? I do poorly, but I try. <laughs> <laughs> it's on your Twitter feed, you say like bad goalie. Bad goalie. I'm yeah. a bad goalie. Oh shit, dude! The fact that you can get on skates, period. <laughs> yeah, yeah you, you you've already eclipsed everybody in this room. Yeah, Gordy Howe's son has scored a goal on goal on me, but nice. I've also made saves against him. So you know, yeah, all right. So you got that. You got both. You probably take a a, a moment. Gordy Howe's son scored a goal on me. That's awesome, right? And, yeah. And well, it's then, even better that I made the save. On yeah, him. I understand, <laughs> but you got you got you got you got uh, bragging rights on You're both ends. Yeah. On both ends. All right. Uh, I want to thank Evergreen Podcast for being our podcast family. I want to thank Greg Hansberry on the audio side for another fine recording. And John Whitney on the video side. And our guest, Jeff Svoboda, a beat reporter for the Columbus Blue Jackets during the regular season and the offseason. Thank you, man. Uh, and I want to thank Bill Ernst also for, for putting this together and uh, and staying on my ass about, you know, when you want to do this, when you want to do this. Cause, uh, Perfect timing. Though. Yeah, no, no, it's yeah. great. It worked out terrific. Well, so what's funny Thank is you, we, Billy. Yeah, I appreciate we, it. We talked about doing this two months ago. Yeah. And to schedule it the day after the Blue Jackets make the biggest signing in franchise history is yeah, it, really it, nice. it was meant to be. It meant to be, meant to be. This, uh, this well, you guys will be here. It'll be a Monday when you're listening to this. We're recording on a, on a rare Thursday. Yep night here we normally do tuesdays and wednesdays but we wanted to accommodate your schedule as well and it was worth every 
every bit of scheduling, my friend. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much and for having me. And your energy and your thought process. You got another tease, question, Joe? No, tease the next one. Tease the next episode. Oh, the next? Oh, yeah, that's right. Then uh, on Monday, we'll be at Tat Franklin. Oh, tattoo? What, 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 yeah, what are you going to do there? Getting, you know? I'll be getting my first tattoo right there. Love it. Uh, on Whiskey Business. Uh, not, we're not going to tell you what it is, but... Uh, if, you, put, if you're a fan of whiskey business, you've mentioned it on the show before. Yeah, right? I have, and yeah. it's 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 uh, it's uh, my and then a, sh- a few short weeks after that, I have to suffer the consequences of uh, said tattoo. I don't get it. How's that? I'll be spending a week with my mother down in Florida. Oh. <laughs> my my eighty six year old mother. Is she mad at mother. you for getting a tattoo? Oh, she's gonna be at eighty. My eighty six year old mother's gonna be livid. Livid of all your uh, you know mis- mistakes and choices as an sure. adult. That's yeah, the one yeah, that's that's the it. one. She's got a lot to choose from. She really does. You know, she can pick and choose all of of all the things you've done. You're right, and then she's gonna say, "Well, why'd you put it? Th- why'd you put it there?" And I'm pointing for those of you listening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm pointing to uh, uh, the the back of my arm. That's where it's gonna go. Yeah, would she be upset this, the that it, if it was a mother tattoo? Yes, she would still be upset, and she, yeah, she'd probably still be upset, and then she'd probably make up a lie and say, "Well, that's stupid because I'm not your real mother." <laughs> she would probably call call me out on that or something. But yeah, that's happening on Monday, so that podcast will drop a, a week from next Monday. Yeah, so awesome. we're excited about that, and and uh, that, that's going to be a lot of fun. I think we'll see. Uh, and my mother's going to say, be, "Well, yeah. why didn't you put it? Well, if you're going to get it, why didn't you put it someplace where nobody could see it?" What's the, the point? Defeat, defeats the purpose. That's the yeah. point, right? Well, I get it. Right. You, got, it. you got any tats? I'm not. I don't have anything uh, that I have ever wanted to put on my body for the rest of my life. So yeah, I, right. And me either. Yeah. It's, t- it's taken me forever. I've always wanted to get one, but I could never figure out what it was. And then I finally, aha, aha, I finally figured it out. And there you go. So, so yeah, I, I have it. no problem with tattoos. I just don't have nothing, anything that I want to do. I got you. I got but you. I, you know what? Inspiration struck. It was time. It was. Yep. Yep. It was. Sons autograph. <laughs> 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 the, oh, Blue Jackets win a Stanley Cup. Do you get a tat? If I'm working for the team, I feel like you'd probably have to do that. Yeah, 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 right? I think so. Okay, all right, fair enough. Um, thank you, boys. I appreciate it. You thank bet. you, Gatos. Thank you, uh, Evan Williams, for putting out a cool uh, new bottle of Small Batch. And once again, thank you to Jeff Svoboda. Um, Whiskey Business, Hansberry, a little business real quick before we go, before I say the final goodbye. Find us on your favorite podcasting app. Subscribe, rate, review for us, please, and thank you. If you're listening, you can always watch us on your favorite uh, YouTube channel, Whiskey Business with Dino Tripodis. the question. Well, uh, and if you're on uh, YouTube right now, smash that subscribe smash button. That smash that button. button. Hit the little bell icon, and then uh, every time we post an episode, you'll, you'll get a notification. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What? And go to the merch store on our the merch uh, store. You gotta go there. The you gotta hock them t-shirts, bro. <laughs> I feel like Johnny bought a lot of them, and then all of a sudden he's just stuck. Two for one. <laughs> no, we had like twenty bucks a year and a half ago, and I'm like, going, where's no money anymore? Yeah, where's that's true. Money? We forget. We're like I said, we're the we're the worst as yeah. far as promoting and selling <laughs> ourselves. We we're horrible at it. We need somebody. From the Blue Jackets organization, to, we need our to, own to hashtag insider. Yeah. We, we know how to we know how to sponsor things. So yeah. Get things sponsored. Let me tell you, whiskey business is never the luck production, and I couldn't do it with, like I said, Greg Hansberry, John Whitney. My name is Dino Tripodis, your host, and until the next bottle, see ya. History is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, 
and riddled with controversies big and small. On Conflicted, we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. We try and untangle the good from the bad, the fact from the fiction, and the monsters from the misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher or a civic pioneer? Did the Allied powers go too far in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II? And how did the Marquis de Sade acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. Conflicted, a history podcast, is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon.